You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network, hosted by Blake Murphy 7 and Johnny Touchdown. All about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello and welcome in. This is the Revenge of the Birds podcast. My name is Blake on Twitter at BlakeMurphy7. We're all about the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, and here to talk about with our complete cards coverage is my co-host, Venerable, John Venerable. John, the Arizona Cardinals dropped their second game of the season to the Carolina Panthers, 31-21. to uh, They looked good in pretty much no phases of the game. Everything was seemed off on the offense. The special teams seemed off. Uh, there seemed to be pretty much nothing that worked for the Arizona Cardinals all day. Now, Kyler Murray still accounted for three touchdowns, one of them seemingly in garbage time. John, this ultimately, as far as games go, we've had bad games we've seen from the Cardinals before. We've had uh, rough outings. We've had games where it seemed like the team was uh, essentially didn't show up to play a lot of these East Coast games. This kind of felt like it was a game that made you question almost everything that we've thought we've known about the season, John. The, the expectations in the Detroit game, I think maybe we changed a bit of the expectations for the team. It felt like in this game, expectations were shattered. Yeah, hey, uh, good good morning, good afternoon, wherever you're listening. Thanks for being with us here on the ROTB podcast. And this is a safe place to come and vent and air out your frustrations. Blake, I, you know, I was thinking about today's show and with regard to what we do and you know it's it's kind of you know we're benefited from the fact that you know we have no affiliation to the team itself and so we are one of the rarities that can come on and be critical of this team when it when the time calls for it everybody has their puff pieces and their team previews and this team was two and oh looking at five and oh and every everything looked and sounded similar and now, after the second consecutive disappointing loss as a heavy favorite, um, we have to look at you know the realization that this team maybe is not as well coached as we thought and as talented as we thought. Um, yesterday's contest, Blake, was the the most disappointing since probably last year's Rams game after the bye, and I think it's the worst loss of the Kingsbury era, given the fact that yes, you had to travel cross country. But there was no true home field advantage. You were playing what equates to a rebuilding Carolina Panther team that has a far less inf- uh, superior roster than you. I mean, they're a bottom tier NFL roster right now with a bridge quarterback. And they do not have their all-star running back in Christian McCaffrey. They're using journeyman running backs Mike Davis and Reggie Bonifon. Uh, they got Curtis Samuel, their wide receiver, taking snaps. Now, they do have a nice receiving core, and they, you know, toasted the Cardinals' secondary, but we knew that coming in that that would be the one area they could exploit. The Cardinals' effort yesterday, and I'll use the word effort a lot today on, on the podcast because it was lacking. It was not, not, you know, and I heard certain players after the game say, oh, it's technical, we'll get it cleaned up. That was a lack of effort and an unprepared Cardinal team that we saw yesterday. And that does not bode well on head, head coach Cliff Kingsbury. We can knock Vance Joseph till the cows come home, but Cliff's the CEO. He's the CEO of this football team. He's the one that has them prepared or not prepared every Sunday. And the fact that you trot out an effort like that where you're you know down 28-7 to seven to a bad Carolina team that has no home field advantage, 
that has limited personnel on both sides of the football, specifically defensively. I mean, their best player right now is a rookie second-round safety in Jeremy Chin. Yet, their DBs, their linebackers, their defensive line look much more engaged and aggressive and ready to play than the Cardinals' front seven and their back seven. And that, I think, is the, the most disappointing thing. This is the probably the second consecutive week that the offense has looked out of sorts, that the offense has taken, you know, multiple quarters to even get going and they were benefited from a turnover inside close to the red zone which is how they got one of their three touchdowns and you mentioned it Blake the other one that other touchdown was in garbage time and the third touchdown came from a 48 yard run from Kyler Murray what does that tell you they are not right now lining up and and executing sideline to sideline 20 yard line to 20 yard line they're not putting drives together and I think that Again, we're going to talk about the frustration defensively and, and, you know, the fact that Carolina had time of possession 37 minutes overall and they ran 72 plays. I mean, that's that's egregious stuff. But I think we knew coming into this year that the Cardinal defense, even with the improvements that they have, we're going to have performances like this, especially with the lack of Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson being out. What I get frustrated with now is you look at year two, Cliff Kingsbury, the offense is 99% intact. I love Max Williams. He's not the reason why they can't move the football right now. And if he is, we've got bigger problems with Cliff Kingsbury as the head coach. They had all their compliments of receivers yesterday. They've got all their backs. Your offensive line is healthy and it has depth. Mason Cole returned yesterday. Kyler Murray's healthy. This is a defense that's routinely given up 30-plus points per game. That's shown to be middle of the pack, if not worse, and their personnel is not great. And the offense just kind of sleepwalks their way through the game. I've, I've said this consistently since this offseason. If this team hopes to be a playoff team, a, you know, a, a winning team at 9-7, and 10-6, the offense needed to be exceptional. They needed to be a top-10 unit. And the defense just kind of had to play complimentary football. We've seen too many instances in these first three weeks, Blake, that the defense has really carried them in the first half of the game and the Cardinals offense would eventually get going and put up points in the second half. They have not started fast all year. And that's a testament to being unprepared and lacking efficiency from the head coach. And I love Cliff Kingsbury, but that that was not good enough yesterday. And that is going to get you beat not only by the teams like Carolina, you'll lose to the New York teams if you put up that kind of effort or lack thereof. And so we're, we're at a point now where it's you're, you're fighting for survival now. I mean, there are going to be massive personnel changes at, at not head coach, but certainly position coaches, coordinators. And then this whole Isaiah Simmons thing, I'll cap this, ran off by saying, it is one of the most depressing situations that I can remember being a Cardinal fan, watching this team struggle defensively, and they refuse to play their first-round top-10 linebacker safety. I can't explain it. I wish I could, but this team has a long way to go before we start talking about a winning football team or a winning football culture, Blake. 
Yeah, it's like we we talked, John, that we looked at the Cardinals, what they did the first two games, saw the Lions game, saw they were, even though there was three interceptions, they were competitive till the end. You're like, okay, you're a competitive football team at least. Good teams then don't lose back-to-back games. So it's a lot of saying, hey, a lot of the season's going to come down to how this effort does to begin this road trip going back to the East Coast. And the Cardinals ultimately came out flat. You get nine yards on the first play of scrimmage, and then it seemed like the Panthers' defensive line just went off it was uh people even talked about how it seemed like it was flat on the sideline we talk about not just effort but overall intensity is another word um you miss Fitzgerald with that deep incomplete pass over in the middle and then the Panthers then take over and go on a 13 play 66 yard drive and it felt like at that point when you saw how easily it was and the Cardinals come on back on their next drive and had a punt three and out you're just like, oh boy, so the defense then has to kind of get stuff figured out. They did not. The Panthers go up 14-0 to on another nine-play, 80-yard drive, just kind of carving through. It wasn't anything like it was one player or a big play. It was more just uh, good, efficient play from Teddy Bridgewater, guys who were wide open running. The Cardinals' pass rush had, I believe, um, what was it, like one QB hit all day. They looked like they were completely out of sorts. Uh, a lot of this does fall onto, and I, I think I used this comparison after the game, was uh, Curtis Riley when he came in at safety. Um, it wasn't just him, but there was most plays you would see times where he would just either be in the wrong spot. You look at the late Reggie Bonifant touchdown. There was someone who just kind of sh- uh, was like groaning. You look at a play that you know he was kind of ran into as far as uh, with Byron Murphy. There was something that was mixed up where I think he may have thought that it was a man coverage play when it was instead supposed to be a zone coverage play or vice versa. It just looked like the way that he played, the missed tackles that were there. The Panthers went out and specifically targeted him. And it just showed kind of for Arizona to even be playing him at that point after seeing what he did last week. It was very disappointing in terms of how they addressed the position, not just from Vance Joseph not playing him. He even threw like Charles Washington. He threw that, not even looking at trying to find a way to maneuver Simmons onto the field. But it's disappointing in terms of the Cardinals, like they signed TJ Ward and didn't play him. They just were not prepared for this type of a situation, ultimately. Uh, You've got guys who are on your defense who've been there the whole time, and they're out there putting Curtis Riley, who was signed a few weeks ago. It was a terrible coaching move, and ultimately, to me, John, I think it showed, at least on the defensive side, that Vance Joseph is not really able to adjust to what the talent is. In other words, whatever your talent level on defense is, that's probably what you're going to get out of Vance Joseph. There was no additional scheming or adjustments that was there. It showed, I think, the value of Buda Baker and how when we talk about how he's led the team in tackles, a lot of that now seems to be, John, that he may be making up for some of these misses that were there. So I think that it shook a lot of fans' confidence, and that's rough saying because as you talked about, the defense has been better overall this season. Vance Joseph, they were the leading team on third down coming into this game, and they gave up five of seven to start the game yeah. on third down, just letting teams go through. That, to me, at least was unacceptable. And this is against the Carolina Panthers, John. What's going to happen with the likes of the Seattle Seahawks, the Buffalo Bills, the LA Rams, who look resurgent as far as their running game is concerned? It's something, at least, where a lot of people are having major concerns about Vance Joseph, and we're heading into a game where the New York Jets, at least, might be, like you said, smelling a little bit of blood in the water, and if that's the case, John, we're going to be talking about a 
kind of serious need for the Cardinals to look themselves in the mirror, change a lot of the way that they're functioning, and be able to go out and uh, be the team that we think that they are rather than the team that we saw on Sunday. Because right now, John, the Cardinals were not who we thought that they were, as you know, as ironic as it is to say. And that's ultimately disappointing to most fans who've gotten used to this sort of building up hope only to see it dashed over the years. Yeah, and you know what? It's It's incredibly frustrating because we thought this team was prepared especially after the loss against Detroit. You, you could think of that game as a press-clipping game. You're, you're, you're high on yourself after the 2-0 start. You come in. Everybody's telling you how great they are. You're going to go 5-0. and They lose that game to Detroit through mostly internal mistakes. Kyler Murray's three inter- interceptions, missed field goals. But that game was winnable. It was there to be had. They blew it. Get refocused for a, you know, a, a clearly inferior Carolina Panther team, and they almost looked like they took the opposite approach, like – we're going to double down. We're better than them. We just have to show up. And then, you know, the announcers are saying, you know, midway through the second quarter, Arizona, wake up. The game started. And they just look completely disinterested. Again, that's coaching. Kyler Murray, we were talking about it, Blake, before the podcast. He's on pace for 44 touchdowns this year, which is phenomenal, right? But he's getting worse every week. He does not look as efficient as he did week one. The offense right now, when they are able to put points on the board, it is through him running around it's uh, you know a broken offense they need to get back to what made them successful last year running the football with Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds it sounds like Kenyon Drake's going to be fine for this weekend's game working off of the RPOs and play action getting some of these secondary receivers involved Um, you know I, I I am just at a loss for words for the ineptitude that I'm seeing from their offense I know I everybody wants to criticize the defense and goodness we've done that so many times on this podcast, but they have invested so many resources on offense. They've got two second round receivers. They've got a Hall of Fame receiver. They've got, you know, a Larry Fitzgerald, a co-Hall of Fame receiver who right now is not being utilized at all. They've got Dan Arnold, who they talked about as a breakout player in the offseason that was going to go off this year. Their offensive line is healthy. The offensive line that they want to have is out there. They've got multiple running backs. They've got MVP candidate Kyler Murray. They've got Cliff Kingsbury, Mr. You know, All-Pro play caller. And they're not doing anything off it. They're having a regression year offensively. That, to me, is unacceptable, and I think it's the biggest reason. I mean, right now, say what you want about the defense. If the offense was performing up to their capabilities, they would at least be 3-1. They might be, they might be 4-0. They certainly would have won last week's game against Detroit. And I think that, you know, going shot for shot yesterday with Carolina, they would have stood a much better chance if they were able to spell the defense, put together some lengthy drives. I mean, the Cardinals offense, when they were on the field, were hardly uh, able to put drives together. I think they had like 21 minutes in time of possession. So I, I know people are frustrated with the defense. And I think the biggest issue for me is the Isaiah Simmons debacle. But the offense has to do better. The, the running game looks stagnant. Kime, or excuse me, Kime, Cliff is too easily swayed from it. I mean, Kenyon Drake had a couple nice runs to start that game yesterday, and then they got away from it, and they were running too much East and West nonsense, either with their backs, who are trying to cut everything outside, or they're trying to do too many receiver screens that aren't going anywhere. I mean, this team needs to get back to, because the pass protection wasn't great yesterday, but for the year, Blake, they're on pace to give up less than 30 sacks. It's been holding up. They need to get back to the vertical passing game, stretching the field. Kyler Murray's completion 
uh, percentage was fine yesterday, but the uh, I think his per attempt was like 4.3 yards per attempt yesterday. And so on the year, he's averaging right around 6.4 yards per completion when throwing the football. That's way down from where we thought he would be. So I, I just think that you need to get back to, yes, with Hopkins stretching the field, but get motion out Isabella and Kirk and use their speed to your advantage. Make teams, you know, force teams to, to, to grab and use pass interference as an option. Why aren't we, you know, Dan Arnold, finally you, you saw little glimpses of stretching the field with some tight end seam routes yesterday. But I, I just think that this team right now is not efficient enough in the vertical passing game to win week in and week out. They're not consistent there, and they're not consistent running the football. I think if you fix both of those issues and you get you, you stop being cute with with all of the East and West nonsense, they're, they're going to have a resurgence offensively. But we saw it yesterday. Kyler needs to get back to what he does well, and that's being an accurate quarterback. I know for the year he's at 68.8 completion, but yesterday he missed that easy throw to Larry Fitzgerald to start the game, and he said that affected him the whole game long. It felt like the game could have been different. So I know people, again, the defense is not good enough, and it's unacceptable. The offense has zero excuses. They don't, they're not missing a Buda Baker. This was the strength of the team. And to put up that kind of performance yesterday against this Carolina defense, to me, is a bigger indictment of Kingsbury than what's going on with Vance Joseph. I can't disagree with any of that, John. The fact that we've hit this point at least where through the first two games of the season, we thought, all right, Kyler's targeting Hopkins, you know, 30 times in two games. And we're like, all right, this is them taking advantage of that. And eventually the offense is going to click into place. And we've seen it instead. Like you said, it does feel like it's declined. Uh, the, the protections in a lot of that, I think, does fall onto when you're looking at that 4.3 yards per attempt for Kyler Murray. It's around, it's basically only ahead of guys like, you know, the Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Joe Burrows, a lot of these either other young quarterbacks who are on bad teams. And a lot of this, I think, ultimately does fall onto when you're looking at Cliff Kingsbury, uh, that 24 completions for 133 yards, that's a record for low yardage total. Those are Mitchell Trubisky type numbers as far as, you know, just not really trusting your quarterback. And to one level, I can say I understand a bit of it in terms of he saw Kyler getting hit early, that uh, pass that should have been intercepted to Kirk. There was a terrible decision, probably trying to protect his quarterback some at least. In some cases at least, you can say that you're better off almost not protecting your quarterback and having them be able to learn from those mistakes. But it does fall on you as a play caller to be that guy who can then be able to initiate something that then gets your quarterback out of a jam, gets them into rhythm. And we feel like, John, that outside of the beginning of the Washington game, after the Cardinals had that punt, I believe that was that punt recovery, feels like the Cardinals have just not been in rhythm throughout most of the season. It's taken usually a Kyler Murray run, like we saw last year in the Bucks game, this year in the Niners game. There's a little bit of work that they've done to kind of get them back into a rhythm. But the last two games, they've always had some type of turnover or a hit or something that's gotten them out. So I think right now the thing you got to look at is say, gosh, this isn't really working. I think it was Smart Football on Twitter pointed out at least that um, part of the thing, at least with Cliff, is you look at the play callers like the Sean McVeighs, you look at the guys like the Kyle Shanahan's. 
Uh, you think back to that Niners game. Arizona looked like they were about to pull away. What does Kyle Shanahan do? Draws up a little reverse screen to the fullback, Kyle Juszczyk. He rumbles down for about 40 yards, gets them at least into field goal range. Some of those different types of creativity we just were missing from Cliff Kingsbury yesterday. Uh, some of the creativity we have seen from this season has been uh, kind of clunky, almost like trying out some of the different things that they've done, and it's been uh, unfortunate to be able to watch kind of as once the offensive line seems to not be able to protect as well, he kind of turtles. And I, I use the phrase turtle like you think of a turtle retreating inside of his shell. He did it last year in that game too where Kyler just had a lot of screens, a lot of these east-west areas. And I think what the problem, at least for me, John, is I think what Cliff has to do at least is he has to be willing in a lot of cases to be able to protect his quarterback by also making defenses pay. You can't just basically go out there and expect to win in the NFL and keep your quarterback clean the entire time. You have to be able to take some of the different hits but be able to make teams get punished for those hits. You look at the likes of Russell Wilson or even you know Tom Brady is the great quarterbacks. There's times where teams will blitz them. Kurt Warner was the best of this. He said, all right, blitz me. You're going to get in, you know, a hit. You got two guys who are coming out unblocked. Sure, I'm going to be, boom, throwing right into that for a big play because you know exactly I'm going to get that one-on-one -on -one coverage. What we've seen instead with Cliff is kind of this aspect of shrinking back. And I think that's the biggest concern, I think, that you have going forward uh, with the Cardinals. Uh, as far as the offensive side, the only player you're really missing is Max Williams. And while I do think that's had a big effect on the run game, uh, he's been out for the basically the duration of the season outside of about half of the San Fran game. And it was when he was in that the running game started to kind of get going again after it had really struggled. I think that what we're kind of looking at is seeing that this offense, at least that he's trying to run, that's you know more of this 10 personnel, air raid, these type of you know, yards per uh, you know, getting uh, yards after the catch. Uh, teams and defenses are starting to adjust to it, and Cliff is going to have to kind of focus on reinventing himself in a lot of that aspect, John, because right now if you look at the Cardinals' offense, it's really Kyler throwing to Hopkins and then Kyler not seeing stuff he likes and running and scrambling, and I think that speaks a little bit to his development. You need to be able to develop more as a passer because uh, even though he's still putting up crazy stats, because that's, that's what he does, he's Kyler Murray, he's still producing at a high level, the film at least is just making it seem like he's still not comfortable in the position. He's still kind of at times feeling like he's not hitting guys as accurately, he's not seeming the field at least it seems like in that regard, and so your offense is kind of seeming like it's built on scrambles and plays to Hopkins when he gets open, and it seems like the Panthers, for the most part, kind of had that figured out and were able to identify all of Cliff through uh, Cliff Kingsbury threw at them. Uh, so credit goes out to Matt Rule for preparing their defense, and uh, it takes a big hit, I think, for Vance Joseph for the Cardinals. So uh, the question I think we want to ask John, at least, and I, I think we could, we could talk more about Humphreys and the offensive line or how Drake was only at 2.7 yards per carry, but what do we have right now? Where is this all going as far as with the Cardinals, with the feelings of Vance, with Cliff, ultimately how it kind of leads back to the fact that, you know, Steve Keim got his job essentially saved by this coaching hire and this draft pick. Where do we think this is all going for the Cardinals for this season as they've stumbled out of the gate and trying to make kind of their uh, explosion season that a lot of fans anticipated? Yeah, I first of all, I think it's too too early to be critical of Steve Keim just because, I mean, the the proof is in the pudding with, with some of these players. I mean, he he got Hopkins and Murray in back-to-back off-seasons, and I goodness, we can't even judge the Simmons pick until he plays. He's not playing. They refuse to play him. And 
I don't if unless that's an indictment that he just literally is not an NFL player, which no one thinks that I think it's more of a critical error by the head coach and the defensive coordinator, because if Cliff wanted Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons in the game, then he would be playing. He would go to Vance and say, hey, you know, get 48 on the field. We got to get faster and more athletic. So that's on the coaching staff. And, you know, to Kimes credit, he usually stays out of the way with with coaches and lets them, you know, dictate, you know, day to day personnel. He gets them the, the groceries with some input and then he lets the, the head coach and the coordinators cook. And in this instance, I still think, you know, I, I like the moves that were made in the offseason. And two weeks ago, we were talking about how they, they pushed all the right buttons in free agency and the draft. I just think that we have issues on both sides of the ball stemming from Kyler and Cliff's philosophy offensively right now not clicking, and then defensively Vance Joseph and his inability to adjust as the season progresses. He looked great those first two weeks when he had offseason to study those opponents, but now you know teams are making adjustments. Can Vance make adjustments? He has not shown the ability to do so. And so I, I think that right now the blame, sure, would it have been nice to have more depth at safety, more experience at safety? Absolutely. Did they double down on Patrick Peterson? Yeah, that was a mistake. But I think that they took two safeties last year, Deontay Thompson, Jalen Thompson. They, they, they didn't anticipate Buda getting hurt. So theoretically, you would like to have had at least one more veteran safety, safety to come in. But, they, you know, they were high on Chris Banjo, and he was playing well. They've, just, they've been decimated at that position. But I guarantee you, Steve Kime probably thinks and thought that Isaiah Simmons could log snaps at safety if necessary. And that's not happening right now. Yeah, and John, the the one thing I'll say about this, and this is kind of like, it, it seems very harsh, but because of where you're at right now, it's almost the same argument that people had with Hakeem Butler. It's like, hey, you can't know who Hakeem Butler is unless he's playing. And so the thing is, if he's not able to get onto the field, and uh, there's two ways to look at it. Either this is Vance trying to basically protect Simmons, keep him at one position. They're trying not to say Hassan Redekin by moving him around to different spots and positions. I, I feel like that's kind of a mistake because... To me, playing multiple positions is part of the strength that Simmons' game had. So, either there's something that he's not getting in the defense, or what we want to be—we could just look at it and say, "Look, let's be brutally honest. Like, he looks right now if he's not getting the field with all these other things going on or pushing for playing time. Um, maybe you do have to accept the fact that he may just be a project linebacker, and this is another example of." a hybrid guy that Steve Kine loves to draft, we've talked about this, over a position that maybe was more valuable. And I, I think that the Cardinals, in a lot of aspects, were hoping he could fill into that Sam linebacker role, which we've seen is much more of an edge rusher than I think a lot of us had wondered with how you have to be able to kind of match up on a tight end, um, needed athleticism. Devon Kennard not being there, really they had no pass rush, at least without him, and that's been a good job by the Panthers. But right now, if Simmons is that type of a hybrid project linebacker, and if he's not good enough, then, okay, gosh, are we going to talk about all of the other draft picks and first-rounders besides Kyler Murray? Because there's players that the Cardinals team could have drafted that would be instantly helping them on the field right now. Like, I pointed out to the fact that you've got 
I think it was Seth Cox of the other uh, kind of sister-ish podcast, the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, tweeted out that C.D. Lamb's on pace for 1,200 yards in their passing offense. You think the Cardinals could use someone like that now when DeAndre Hopkins is hurt and kind of held to seven catches for 40 yards by Rasul Douglas? Uh, He was like physically kind of pushed out of bounds almost in one of those plays. Usually you never see that happen with a physical guy like Hopkins. So I, I do think that there's some concern in terms of more the time frame because you have to be able to learn this season whether or not is Cliff Kingsbury the guy and is Vance Joseph the guy. And what I felt, John, is that in order to get Simmons onto the field, the Cardinals have to kind of accept that they're going to have to play a different style of defense than what Vance brings because either Simmons, they are totally right on everything. The defense will improve or get back on track with guys like Buda and Jalen back. You go into year three and he just takes over at Will Linebacker and makes plays like Campbell. Okay, that's one positive outcome. The other is you may have to get rid of your defensive coordinator and find one who can play the style of defense that best fits some of your players, including Isaiah, including Chandler, and then keeping Buda and Jalen in a lot of this type of offense that can then blitz the passer, be able to mix things up. Because right now, it comes down to the Cardinals are not getting pressure with four guys. And when Vance has been blitzing guys, he's almost been reticent to blitz because it's leaving guys open and holes in the coverage. So it's about blocking and tackling. And the Cardinals right now are back to where they were in 2019, it feels like, where they're letting up pressure when four guys are rushing them and they're not getting pressure with four guys either. Yeah, and I just, I I will say that, you know, when we talk about the the fact that you know Cliff made adjustments a year ago and I think that that's been one of the the biggest selling points for Cardinal fans as we watched him not have the the necessary personnel to be able to consistently win the way he wanted to so they converted their offense and became much more of a, a, a run heavy predominant offense defensively Vance Joseph cannot continue to trot out the same players every week in in lieu of not playing Isaiah Simmons this, the, I mean, part of his job as defensive coordinator is to get the most out of young players. And so when you draft a player like that and refuse to play him, that, that's a, and your defense is not good, that's an indictment of you. And it doesn't matter that, you know, the position he's supposed to play has two, quote unquote, productive veterans in Devondre Campbell and Jordan Hicks. When you have a chess piece like that, you need to maximize it. And I think that so many people, when the Cardinals picked Isaiah Simmons, said the one caveat was, well, Vance Joseph is a subpar defensive coordinator and will not be able to get the most out of him. And right now, they're being proven absolutely correct. Because right now, the team, like you mentioned, Blake, is, is showcasing that they did not have a plan for Simmons. They thought that they could kind of roll with the punches, see what happens, get him situated, probably you know, thought to themselves, we don't want to do the Hassan Reddick where we're moving them all over the place. But Hassan Reddick was only a a defensive end at Temple and then could play a little bit of inside linebacker, maybe at the senior ball. They tried to convert him. Simmons played everywhere at a national power and showed that he is capable of doing that. He didn't play at Temple. He played at Clemson under Dabo Sweeney and Brett Venables and play corner, safety, outside, inside linebacker. He has that ability. And so when you see the struggles that the Cardinals are having defensively and refusing to play this, this you know, unicorn of a player, just to see how he does. And I thought Walter Mitchell brought up a great point on our previous podcast, or maybe it was on Twitter, where he said just it demoralizes a kid. You put him out there against Kyle Shanahan, he has a tough time, predictably, 
because he's, you know, in his first game. And you're like, well, I guess we won't play you anymore. And he's the eighth pick in the draft. And you just refuse to play him. That is, it's a very disheartening scenario for Cardinal fans because we've seen this before with the lack of, you mentioned, you know, early picks not playing. I thought we were past it. You know, when Byron Murphy starts all 16 games a year ago, Kyler Murray clearly, you know, starting all 16 games. But now we're back to, yeah, the, the, the young players don't, don't play because we don't have coordinators that we trust that can develop them and they're not ready yet. Well, every other team is playing their rookies and they're making an impact. The excuses that we had from, well, they didn't have an off season and no preseason, no rookie minicamp. We're in October now. I mean, by the time this weekend's game is played, we're a quarter of the way uh, through the season. We're in mid October. And, and he is, he is logging 10 snaps a game, Blake on average. That is, I, it's, it's so disheartening and it's like le- legitimately depressing that, that this is the mindset that they've taken. And outside of, you know, a couple other platforms and, and what we've got going on here, Blake, you won't hear anything from the team site. They'll downplay it. They, you know, they'll put it on the player. They'll say, well, clearly they don't think he's ready. I, I'll tell you what, I am much more impressed with Isaiah Simmons' track record than I am Vance Joseph's track record. So I would roll with the player in this instance. And if I'm Steve Kime, who's usually hands-off, I, I, I'm at the point where I have to get involved now. And I have to have a conversation with Cliff that says, our, our personnel group is not good enough as con, 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 constructed currently. You need to get number 48 on the field. This, this is a scenario in which you've got a defensive coordinator that was almost fired last year, and they've got a player that they took in the top 10 that isn't playing for a struggling defense. It makes no sense at all. And I would, I would intervene if I was, if I was Steve Kime. Yeah. I, I, and that's just tough because again, it's going to come down to how the NFL is a results oriented business. Um, right now we have a very important Jets game coming up, which is of course going to be on the uh, MetLife field. That's going to be very interesting that you hope that you can come out of that game uh, without any serious injuries. The best news for the Cardinals, for those who are hoping for some optimism is none of their injuries right now are serious or season ending. We've seen that with a lot of other teams um, that have had those. So you are going to be getting guys like Max, like Jalen, like Buddha. Those guys are going to be coming back. You're hoping DeAndre Hopkins will be able to get healthier with his ankle. Um, the Cardinals are then going to play the worst team in the NFL. Now, Sam Darnold played well enough, at least, against a beat-up Broncos team. The Jets still lost the end to a backup quarterback and all of these backup players. Uh, so, again, this is the expectation, at least, I think, John, is a win. The Jets, however, if they do end up pulling out a win over the Cardinals, I think that's really going to kind of stick a fork into someone at some aspect. I, I don't know how it will be. Um, you know, they're going to probably see some sort of cuts. I, I think I could even see with how bad he played. I could see Curtis Riley being let go today, potentially at the soonest, for sure, after all of the Cliff Kingsbury like interviews and other stuff. So, you know, you don't have to comment on it then if that's the case. That's how the Cardinals have done stuff in the past few years. Very different from BA, but it does come down to where for positive, if you're looking for some, the Cardinals are going to get players back on defense. We've seen Cliff adjust before. Kyler is still a special talent. And the fact is that they play a terrible Dallas Cowboys defense after this in a nationally televised game. You know that they'll want to bring it. And then you go into a, a chance to play the Seahawks at home with a 4-2 and two record. If you fall back to 4-3, and three, 
you're going to be kind of in for a, a, you know a tough time, but you can at least still have a successful season. You can steal another game or two in the NFC West. If you lose one of these games, or God forbid you drop the next two of these games, you're going to start kind of looking at a potential top 10 pick. Then I think there's uh, everything kind of goes on the table, John. So this is where Kyler, Cliff... Uh, even guys like Steve Keim, I think, will prove themselves over the next two games in particular. Are you kind of looking at, we could have talked about how these would have been a fun time for a lot of Cardinals fans going into, you know, expecting a win against the Jets. Now there's probably at least some panic that's setting in, and I think that it's more panic from the fan base. The, the Cardinals themselves say that they're not panicking, but in this result, John, you're kind of right now through this 2-2 two and two game, you're looking more like an 8-8 eight and eight team than a 10 or 11 win football team. And you're on the downturn, so you may be even on a lower slope than that. And that's what I think is concerning for Cardinals fans, even with some optimism in the upcoming games. Yep, they have shown that they are an average football team at the moment. And goodness, I think that that's what was so frustrating about Sunday's game was that looked like below average football. Um, now, they still are third in the division. They have the tiebreaker over the fellow 2-2 two and two San Francisco 49ers. But they've scored the lowest amount of points in the division, less than San Francisco, less than Los Angeles, with Kyler Murray and all the weapons at his disposal. On the flip side, the defense is the third best in the division, allowing 92 points uh, in comparison to Seattle, which has allowed 109. Um, so I, I just I think, Blake, that you have to look, it's stereotypical to say at this one game at a time type of season, they need to go into the Jets game prepared for a dogfight, prepared to have their best game of the year, to keep the foot on the gas, and to try to continue some of the momentum in the coming weeks if they're fortunate enough to win. They have a very winnable schedule throughout the duration of the year, even with the division. The Niners are beatable. The Rams are beatable. The, the Seattle Seahawks are beatable. If the Cardinals play with the same intensity they play with week one, they can beat any one of those teams. The Seahawks are going to lose games at some point. They have not played a, uh, they played a very favorable schedule, and to their credit, they've taken care of business. The Cardinals have shown that they can beat the Seahawks before, but they need to focus on the task at hand, getting right against a bad Jets team, and we'll preview that later this week here on the TV podcast. Absolutely. It's going to be a big game for sure. Uh, this may be kind of one of the games that defines the Cardinals season. Right now, you're kind of at your low point. Thought the Cardinals would bounce back this week. They did not. This makes the next week's game against the Jets and Adam Gase, who seemingly is not going to get fired anytime soon, all the more important. Uh, that will wrap it up for us here on the Revenge of the Birds podcast. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Play Podcasts, uh, places like iHeart, Himalaya, or also on revengeofthebirds.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter as well at ROTB Pod, and you can follow me if you want a dialogue at Blake Murphy7. I know I've had a lot of dialogue from a lot of fans, at least, talking about with Isaiah Simmons and what's going on. And it, it's, it's weird to see, like, some of the things that I said over the summer have not come true. Some of the things I've said have been, like, very reticent, much kind of to my chagrin as far as what I thought that we could be seeing from Simmons so far. But ultimately, we're still fans. There's still a lot of optimism, I think, that you can see through the season. Uh, right now, the team like the Texans are 0-4, so it's, uh, it's at least a lot better off than you could be for the most part. John, where can the listeners find you and your content? Yeah, of course, here on the ROTV podcast, as well as in the written word, revengeofthebirds.com, and then, of course, on 
uh, Twitter at Johnny Venerable. That's J-O-H-N-M-Y-V-E-N-E-R-A-B-L-E. I also host a Periscope postgame show uh, following every Cardinals game this season. I actually did a halftime show to kind of let fans vent their frustration. Had a good uh, audience and interaction for that. So thank you for the for the support there. We'll keep doing it, hopefully, throughout the duration of the season uh, as we, Blake, climb our way back out of this hole, that being 2-2. Two two. Absolutely. A lot of questions will abound about with Cliff, Vance, uh, Kime, everything at least right now. Uh, has kind of changed over the last two games. We'll see what the Cardinals do and how they move forward, at least. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next uh, time. We'll be preview the Jets game later this week on the ROTB pod. Take care, Cardinals fans. <laughs>